Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. Welcome to another episode of Influence. I'm Gordon Glenister, and today we're going to be looking at two ends of the influencer world in the same sector. In a short while, I'm going to be talking to Amy Shearer, who's head of influencer marketing at global giant Mumsnet. But first, I met up with micro-influencer Louise Simpson, famous for her blog, Three Little Tinkers. And I began by asking her how she got started. Well, when I started out, I had a not-on-the-high-street store, like a small business on Instagram. So I set my Instagram up to drive traffic that way. I was a children's illustrator and I did baby blankets and vests and all sorts of things with my designs on. Um, And that store was called Sweet Little Tinkers. So I decided to fold the store when I was hyperometric because I was pregnant with Zebedee and it either needed to get bigger or get smaller because it was just at that kind of unmanageable on your own stage. And then I got very sick and found out I was pregnant again. And so I just kind of wanted to keep it familiar for people but incorporate that it was becoming more of a family-based So when Instagram. was this, actually? This when did was, you start He's 18 months now. Okay. Um, so I started the Nostor after I had Lily. So she was about six months old, and she's three and a half now, so three years ago. And so then I started on Instagram probably six months after that, a little while. Wow. And how's it? you still got the store? Is it still no, there? It's, no, I, um, I, yeah, I decided to close it when I was sick and pregnant with Zebedee when sort of I started this content creation thing by accident um, because I was just Instagramming pictures of my kids while I was stuck in bed and then I was like oh well if this is gonna pay I don't (laughs) need to spend three days a week packaging up baby blankets I'm good and you obviously got a lot of reaction from from other mums or yeah mostly I think because most of my customers customers okay other mums so um they like to, especially with small business, the small business community on Instagram is exceptional. And people take a real vested interest in trying to support other mums that are trying to stay at home and take care of their kids. And it's such a wonderful community. So then because of that, people actually did want to get to know me and know what my kids were doing and that their money was paying for ballet lessons or swimming classes or all of that kind of thing. So you sort of made a lot of friends that way. Brilliant, brilliant. Great. Um, so when did you do, what did you do before uh, the children? What was your backstory? What was your career um, before you got involved in, in, in being a creator, content creator? Um, I have been a jack of all trades and a master of none. Oh, really? Um, so, I mean, like before I had Lucas, I worked in like pubs and restaurants and then I ran a cafe down by the beach for a little while. That was quite fun. Um, and then I moved to Ireland with Lucas's dad and I just worked in a store up until I got pregnant with him. And then I wanted to stay at home after my maternity leave. So I started designing custom tattoos for people um, and drawing those out and just sort of posting them to people and then they would get them done. So that was quite fun and it evolved. I made a novelty birthday cake for my friend's little girl for her first birthday and uh, she was three three months older than Lucas. And then from that, I started doing cakes. And I did that for a few years, two or three years, up until no longer than that. I probably did that for about five years, up until Lily was six months old. And it was a bit too stressful. I had a wedding. 
and a five-month-old baby and I was just like on edge and like to the point of tears like this is the most important day of somebody's life and if I mess up their cake because my baby is crying I'm gonna be the devil and it was a bit too much and so at that point I was like right I need to find something else to do and that's when I started illustrating I used to paint like custom peg dolls of people's kids as well that's a very insta thing or at least it was a few years ago wow um and then my illustrations and that's how I got involved with not on the high street and until I got sick and then I started using my business Instagram account to post pictures of just me at home and stuff to kind of keep that connection with people it's very isolating being stuck in bed for four or five months when you're sick Um, And then Johnson's baby approached me and said, oh, we would love you to pay you to post about this and to try some stuff out. And I was like, okay, that's a thing. I'll do that. Wow. And And when was that? What year was that? That was when I was pregnant with Zebedee. So about probably just under two years ago. Okay. So not that long ago then. No. Uh, So, yeah. And then it sort of, from there, I got involved with finding out how to do a few other little bits and bobs. So how do you balance? I'm quite intrigued in how influencers and creators balance their personal with their with what they're trying to do with their business. I mean, particularly for you with three little rascals um, and all the other things. Presumably, have you got a, a network of support with your parents or, yes. or others around you, friends? Yes, or? I am. Um, it's difficult. I'm not I don't think balance is something I'm very good at, especially because the two worlds are so closely mixed Linked. together. Yeah, yeah. So I now have childcare. I have like nursery for the two younger ones or nursery and preschool all day on a Monday and then Lucas goes to breakfast club at school that day and he goes to gym after school. So I have from eight until four now, just literally as of this month. And I've started to schedule the whole week of Instagram on that day and have it done. And then if something else gets thrown up, I can factor it in without all the the stress of it quite so much. But, yeah, I don't ever stop. I'm not good at, at taking a minute. So wow. I just it's go, go, think, go. Do you think uh, some people that see the posts and they see what you do realise what goes into creating some of that content, you know, whether it be photographs or... I was with somebody just the other day, actually. Uh, I looked; she was showing me her phone and all these photographs that she'd taken to post just one. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to ask you the same question: Do you find that actually content creation is is a lot more than than, than perhaps somebody might be otherwise aware of? Yes, definitely. There's. I think there's a bit of a sort of an opinion. I think from the way influence marketing started, that oh, you just get some free stuff and you take a selfie on your phone and that's all it is and it's like you're just getting you know like stuff for doing nothing whereas actually I can do two or three days work and end up getting nothing out of it because you have to do the work to pitch for things and they might go with somebody else and there's so much and like you say with the photos like I might take 300 photos to get one and then decide I don't like any of them and start all over again with something different I think like the the more seriously you take it I mean because you can still just take a selfie on your phone and do great but for me personally, it doesn't work that way. I mean, I did have a look at your Instagram account uh, just the other day, uh, and uh, one thing that comes across really well is your consistency of your, of your style. So, if I was a if I was a brand wanting to work with you, I could see uh, it is very consistent, and and there's a similar color theme going on there. So, again, you must work quite hard at, at making sure it fits in with your personality and your brand. So, how important is that for you? 
I am so anal about the color of my Instagram. It's wow. actually a bit ridiculous. Like so many beautiful photos don't make it because they are the wrong color. But I think that, especially from like a brand perspective, but also for like my followers, where the subject of a photo might change because it's it's just sort of lifestyle. So it might be kids, it might be me, it might be a book. It's not got that very niche kind of consistency thing where I'm posting one subject per photo every photo so for that reason I feel like it really needs to all tie together impeccably well so I always edit everything the same way and I'm very strict with my color scheme all the pink and gray and nothing else I have like weave in some colors through a series of pictures um, that's brilliant. I have to but, say, I have to say, it's really, really good. Um, so, on that note, then, what sort of tools do you tend to use that help you do that? What what software packages and would you sort of recommend? I have like so many. I probably can't even remember them all. But basically, Lightroom is life. Like you can't okay. edit anything if you've not got Lightroom. Okay. So everything starts off in Lightroom, and then depending, you know, like if I'm going to make it a bit surreal and I'll use Photoshop or there's I just tried one the other day that like animates your photos I think it's called Pixaloop that was a lot of fun um, and I've Pixar on my phone and yeah but primarily it's Lightroom and Photoshop and what, just, so, and what about um, and obviously Instagram is very big for, for influencers and creators but what about YouTube and video have you thought about progressing that further not YouTube I'm planning on trying to progress like with IGTV so it's it's video and it's something different but it's within the same same sort platform. of safe space yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I think video is amazing but I wouldn't be comfortable doing a rubbish video and then I feel like I would need to train for like five years to have like a cinema quality video yeah. <laughs> to put up um so and I just am conscious of spreading myself too thin so yeah. I just try to be best I can so I was just going to say that we were talking earlier weren't we about what 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 is a typical day for you and you sort mm -hmm. of now suggested it's going to be a lot easier because you've got you can plan that time in and I'm I'm guessing also it's not always when you're working with a brand you're not um they're going to want you to create content that's very specific to you using their brief so talk to me a little bit about maybe some of the brands and campaigns that you work with you mentioned johnson's yes. um but presumably you work with others as well what 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 are the lessons that that you've learned from that experience um i think i'm starting to get a bit pickier so there's there's a very difficult stage that you go through once you start this job whereby when you're small you need to especially um, like if it's all you're doing, you know, you're trying to stay at home after you've had kids and stuff, then you're caught in this really difficult situation between being big enough to be true to yourself and just do what you want and having to put food on the table, which means you have to pander a little bit to brands. And I'm getting to the stage where I currently refuse to just do a product shot, but that has a financial implication. So you have to go through this difficult kind of transition. But when you stick to your guns, the right brands will find you. And you, you do find, you know, like agents and things that want you to be more creative and that want you to stay true to your voice. And I think slowly brands are starting to understand that your people follow you because they like you, because they want you to do things the way that you do them. And then if you suddenly, if like if I just threw a product shot 
on my Instagram, it would bomb. Like people would just be like, "What the hell is this doing here?" Well, it's, I think it, you it would be it would look like it was inauthentic for you. Yes, it would. And one of the things I always say is people are just as you said, following you and what you're all about. So if it adds to uh, helping and supporting your followers about something that's new and exciting that's relevant. Um, then I think they're going to be engaged with that. But if it's completely distorted and it doesn't, it looks out of place. Particularly what we were talking about now with all your color scheme, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work, would it? So, no, yeah. not at all. I um, I think brands are still on the edge. It's still a relatively new industry, and a lot of them, I think, are a bit scared to kind of get out of their safe zone, and so they'll stick to like. It's easier if you have, you know, like an interiors account, and you have a lot of. It's easy to do like product placement and stuff. And you know, I don't have all the beautiful interiors. I do have a pink sofa of dreams. So if someone wants to send me a cushion, that's fine. I can do a product shot. But, you know, like I think that I try to keep it a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting, try to get a bit creative with it. But not everybody is brave enough to, to pay for that. So you mentioned uh, product shots and placement. And I've, I've um, spent some time with some influencers uh, uh, recently. And they are absolute photo addicts. It is quite <laughs> overwhelming, uh, you know, getting them to sit still and not want to take pictures of food or the venues or whatever. And it just makes me aware that there is this desire to please their audience and to keep their message, keep their communication and activity all the time. Do you think that's that's a pressure? For some people, now you get to a certain level of an audience, and they they almost want more of you. Um, I remember seeing something over Christmas that said, "I'm taking two weeks off uh, off off social media. I need a bit of a break." Do you think that's a a challenge generally for the space? Yes, definitely. I think, especially like if you want to change what you're doing, or you feel like you're evolving, and then you're scared that your audience don't want to evolve with you. Like, I'm going to have to keep having babies so I can post baby photos. But the chances are I'm not having any more babies, so it has to evolve and it has to become something else. And that's a lot of pressure to keep kind of coming up with new and interesting things that people aren't going to just be like, oh, no, that's not what you do. I don't like that. And so that is a lot of pressure to keep doing that. And also all the messages and you... Like, they're not just numbers, they're people. And I genuinely like value that they and I try to think about them all like in a stadium and how ridiculously insane that would be um and then so make sure I respond to every comment to every dm but that takes a lot of time and it's a lot I think it's very bad for my eyes um so I try <laughs> to not instagram at the weekend so I'll check what the instagram uh the weekend hashtag project is on a friday night and then I don't like interact at all on Instagram over the weekend until I'll, I'll like take that picture and I'll have fun doing that with the kids or whatever but I keep it off of social media until I actually post it I don't interact over the weekend and do you get any sort of feedback from your followers that said oh, I'd be really good if you could do this or I'd like to know about this or or do, do you think they they're a good in, uh, inspirational pool or a research pool uh, where you've got a good you talk about evolving and changing in you. Well, the people that potentially could help you do that maybe are your are your fans and your followers. Do you ever reach out to them at all and say, look, what do you think I should do next? I think that's the beauty of Instagram stories, is it's that 
sort of more personable and then you can just kind of chat through what you're thinking and what your ideas are and you can put little polls and you know like people will answer questions and stuff that way and I think that's a good way to stay engaged with what your audience want from you and you know also to kind of develop your friendships a little bit further because I don't know even like as I'm still like a quite a small account when like one of your like heroes replies to your DM you just feel like you're on cloud nine and you think well for somebody that could be me and it means that they don't expect me to reply and then they do reply just the same as I don't expect you know like amazing giant accounts to reply to me and then they do so then it kind of it strengthens the bond that you have and the connection so on that have you ever met any of your followers offline at an event or something or have you ever thought about doing more of that yes some of the mums that I've met through Instagram are literally just now my best friends in life really wow one of my best friends Anthea I met her through Instagram about a year ago Um, and she lives about 15 minutes from me and she's got three kids and they're similar ages our sons are best friends like it's crazy like the it just opens up a whole new world of people for you. So that was Louise Simpson from Three Little Tinkers. Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. Now, a short while ago, I had the chance to chat to Amy Shearer, who is head of influencer marketing at Mumsnet. Mumsnet was founded in January 2000 by Justine Roberts, who came up with the idea of a website to help parents pull information and advice following a disastrous family holiday with her one-year-old twins. Mumsnet now has a substantial network of bloggers, vloggers and social media influencers. My name is Amy Shearer and I'm Head of Influence Marketing at Mumsnet. I head up an influencer network which we have over 10,000 influencers in the UK obviously mostly parents given who we are and they've all opted in to be there and then the other half of my team actually help brands access that network and we connect the right influencer to the right brand using our data platform using things like audience demographics um, number of impressions proposed engagement rates really finding the right target audience for the right brief so what do you think are some of the challenges for brands that have never used influencer marketing? Uh, what, what advice would you give them that perhaps they're sort of standing on the, the edge of doing this but not really sure? Because Mumsnet is a well-established we influencer marketing <laughs> specialist. Um, what, what would you say to them? Content is what you should be looking at first. So a lot of media agencies and traditional agencies are, are in this game and absolutely have a place in it. But they need to be thinking slightly differently to how they would normally work in a traditional marketing sense. Things like, um, you know, the number of eyeballs and impressions that come to a piece of content isn't necessarily the best measure. Look at how many comments a piece of content is getting. Look at how you're genuinely affecting a member of that influencer's audience and make sure that however they're engaging, it might not account... Sorry, it might not actually end up with a click through and a purchase on that exact piece of content, but over time that influence will grow. And, you know, think about how you as a person function. If you see something on a billboard, if you see something on a TV ad, if you see something on an Instagram post one time, you're not going to click through and buy it that one time. You need that repeated kind of multi uh, touch points with that brand and with that product, and eventually over time you will convert. So I think you can't suddenly expect influence marketing to be the answer to all of your marketing problems and wants and dreams. You have to apply the same principles you would with any channel to influence marketing. And I think people are forgetting that. 
It's a very good point there. Um, so what do you think are some of the best campaigns that you've been involved with that you think work really, really well? We have an ongoing campaign with Scottish Widows, the um, bank, and that started in September 2018 and we're now just about to start looking at our third iteration of that as we come into the end of our first year. We've worked with a pool of what we call mini micros, which is influencers with under 100,000 followers and engagement rates that really buck the trend. So they are upwards of 5% engagement rate on Instagram and they have done multiple pieces of content over this last year so on that first piece we had 20 mini micros and they were attending pensions awareness day which on its title doesn't sound that exciting but we managed to really engage with that audience and because they have a much smaller audience of maybe 10,000 20,000 50,000 Instagram followers they really have a much deeper relationship with that audience which when it's a complicated message like why you should be saving as a woman and how that saving behavior is different to a man which we have research that shows why that is and we're trying to explain that in detail to help women and it's very complicated so you want people who have that genuine influence with their following but then we also had one influencer who had about 800,000 Instagram followers who did a big overarching brand awareness piece about pensions she attended an event at the House of Lords and she was doing a different job and it was about using the same platform with different influencers in different ways Come phase two, it was about that research piece. We did drop a couple of the mini micros from the campaign and we swapped them in for somebody else because they just didn't hit their benchmarks. And that's really important that you can be agile in this space and don't feel as though just because you've signed somebody onto the campaign that they have to do it if it's a long-term campaign for the whole time and it's making sure that we're constantly changing, constantly adapting. Um, We had Facebook Lives on Mumsnet's Facebook page as well, which was a much more in-depth talk and uh, provided an opportunity for the audiences to come back with questions, to really get into the nitty-gritty of what is a complicated topic. Um, And we managed to turn what could have been really boring, really dull campaign into something really exciting, really engaging, and Scottish widows have just been thrilled with the results. That is fantastic. Well done. (laughs) Well done. That's brilliant. Um, So I guess the other side to this is, is what are the common pitfalls? I mean, you've clearly done your your diligence there, and this is the third third time you said, did you? Uh, We're going into our third phase. Third phase, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So, but but there'll be others that think this is a bit of a quick win, and often I hear that we're we're involving influencer marketing in the last part of the process, uh, and they've not been engaged in the earlier part, which is a a common challenge. But what else would you say is a as as an experienced influencer marketeer? What would you say are some of the, the pitfalls? So absolutely agree that as you in exactly the same way as when you're starting that campaign planning, you're thinking about your media spend. You're thinking about where regionally you want those out of home placements to be. And then you're thinking about social, you're thinking about your TV. Influencers should be part of that planning process. They should be in it from the beginning. Where it starts to become complicated is that agencies often and brands as well think of media, sorry, think of influencers as a media buy. And It's not just a straight media buy. Yes, you are buying X number of blog posts, X number of YouTube placements, but you're also buying the creativity. And as a brand, if you are making a TV ad, you're going to be paying a creative agency and you're going to be buying a media agency. With influencers, you get that all rolled into one and the fee does need to reflect that. And fees is very 
grey and wishy-washy area at the moment and it is something that needs to be standardised for the industry especially if we're going to grow and thrive and get better and more effective but right now I think brands and agencies alike are forgetting that you do need to keep both of those halves of the creative and the media in mind when you're working with an influencer. Very good point. Um, So to finish then, what would be your final tips uh, that you could give to uh, a a brand, uh, as I say, considering influencer marketing? It's really tempting to go with the big agency that is, you know, talking about the campaigns they do with sort of million pounds and it's influencer marketing for a million pounds and you're thinking wow well if they can do that for that brand then what can they do for me with my 50k or whatever I've got Um, they might not be able to do the same thing so look for the right agency to do what you need them to do so obviously if you're looking for 25 year old male gamers Mumsnet is not your bag we're not going to be able to help you there absolutely (laughs) but women aged 25 to 44 parents mums dads grandparents as well we have a sister site called Grandsnet for women over 50 we can help you and we are very very niche and we know that audience really really well equally there are other agencies out there that will have their niches and it's I think we're entering a period in marketing now where it's much less about the sort of the bigger is better and it's actually how can you make your budget go as far as possible and that might not be a million pound campaign we work with brands who have 10 to 50k some of them have 100k and ROI is at the heart of what we do and that's the other thing that everyone needs to be considering especially in influence marketing where we do need to make this a more standardized effective way of doing things so there you go that was Amy Shearer influence the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry so continuing our three top tips for a successful marketing campaign let's now hear from Vic Miller of Brandwatch do influence marketing if you need to do it. Don't do it just because you feel like everyone else is. It's okay, the first thing. Right. So do it for the right reasons. Um, understand your audience as the starting point. So understand what they're interested in. Not just their interest, but so what jobs do they do? Um, where do they hang out online? How do they talk online? What are they saying in forums? What are they saying in chat rooms? Not just what are they saying on social media. It's the bigger online picture. When, you're, when you've found the right influencer or influencers, and they don't have to be these huge big celebrities, but the people that resonate with your audience, the messaging that you use, work with them on that, but understand from that, you know, the research you've done and the consumer insights you've taken in the early stages, the kind of language that's right. And now let's take a look at some of the events coming up in the influencer and marketing world. The Influencer Marketing One Day Masterclass will provide an introduction to all key elements needed in order to develop an effective strategy and drive results for your brand, product or service. It takes place on Friday the 20th of September at Unit 4 Galaxy House 32 Leonard Street in London. Tickets are priced at £295. You can find out more at experiencehouse.com. The Social Media Results for PR and Comms Conference takes place on the 6th of November at the Museum of London in Docklands. Uh, 35 industry leaders will refresh and reinvigorate your strategies with insights into the latest social media and influencer trends, show-stopping content and video strategies, proactive crisis comms and how to monetize paid social and new technologies to drive ROI, prove business impact and capture attention. Uh, you can find out more at prsocialmediaconference.com. 
And finally, Digital Growth Unleashed takes place in London on the 16th and 17th of October. This is an updated version of what was previously known as Conversion Conference, which was held more than two dozen times at various locations around the world since 2010. The focus of the event will be on how to create the most compelling customer experiences by meeting the needs of your clients and prospects more fully. It's a live-only event with no video recordings. You can find all the details at digitalgrowthunleashed.co.uk. So that's it for this edition. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, please subscribe and share this podcast with friends and colleagues. And as always, we welcome your feedback and comments. Just email us at feedback at influencepodcast.net. In our next episode, we'll be taking a trip across the pond to take a look at the influencer world from an American perspective. But until then, from me, Gordon Glenister, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.